Hi there, Al Stewart here. Welcome to the Reach Australia podcast. The vision of Reach Australia is to see hundreds, well, thousands of healthy, evangelistic, multiplying churches reaching people around Australia with the life-changing message of Jesus. At the recent Reach Australia conference, I attended a workshop called Metrics Measure What Matters, presented by Peter Blanche. In that workshop, Peter was very clear about the need to measure the right things in church life, because what we measure is what will get our attention. Now, what exactly should we be measuring and why? Well, keep listening. Here's Peter. Um, if you've not met before, my name's Peter. Uh, uh, Peter Blanche. I'm. Um, uh, it's funny saying that. I'm the director of church development for Reach Australia. So Reach Australia's got two arms: the church planning arm to try and see the 200 churches planted uh, in the next 10 years, so we get to a total of 300 over the last 20 years by 2030. Uh, but the other thing is, not do we, we just want to see churches planted. We also want to see existing churches grow, develop, and thrive and flourish. And I, I oversee a team of people who work in that space of Full Reach Australia. Um, I was a church planter myself back in 2006, and you'll hear a bit about Wagga Wagga Evangelical Church, because uh, I, I planted that in 2006 and stayed for 16 years, and have only just left that to take up the role of Reach Australia. And that will be one of the example churches that we'll look at today, for better or for worse. All right. Now, you've come to the metrics one. I just want to start with, and I want to make this quite interactive because it is that afternoon session. I want you to think about... Some people just love getting kind of metrics and data and all that kind of stuff and love it. Other people, though, have huge objections to it and really are quite nervous about the whole uh, measuring in church and measuring health in church and having data points and baselines. And I just want you to brainstorm with the person next to you. Um, what do you think are some of the objections that people have to keeping metrics in church life? Yeah. Did, did most groups come up with that, that as one of them? It, it is common, isn't it, going, a, a metric is a number and we're just treating a human being like a number. We've all been treated like that by all sorts of organisations and it's a bit confronting and not nice and don't want to have that kind of vibe in church. Yeah, yeah. So there's two things there going, can we put a numerical value on something that's spiritual? And the second thing was it's just difficult to do that. Is that right? Two little, two little bits. Okay, yes, yeah, a few more. Yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's actually one of the, we'd be, we'll head into why to keep them, and accountability is probably a good one, but you can see why some people object to keeping them because I don't want to be accountable. <laughs> this is easy. If I don't actually keep it, I, don't, I won't have to be accountable to, to, to certain things. Yeah, yeah, what else was there? There's heaps. Yes, the time. I don't know if everyone heard that. It can be difficult to measure things, but also the time it takes to do it. I want to be on the front line. I want to be with the people, and here I am counting numbers. Yeah, yeah, what's it? Okay, there's a couple of things there, isn't it, going, there's the pride that numbers can be, if the numbers are good, the pride can kick in and go, look what I've achieved, rather than thinking, look at what God has achieved through me. So there can be pride. The other actually flip side of it is there can be despair. I look at the numbers and they're so poor that I just despair. And that can be, I did someone to be in that place. If God is the one that brings the growth, who is me to count it? Because it's his responsibility, not mine. And there's a sense where you, hopefully you've, uh, it, it, we want to keep on talking about the, um, it's, it's, hopefully this is clear to everyone, but the compatibility, that God's, God is definitely sovereign and in control of every hair that falls from your head, yet at the same time, humans, humans do make real decisions and bear certain responsibilities for them. 
It's, it's, I mean, you might know that theologically and thought that, but there's a sense where we all know that experientially. You know, if I knew Latin really well and preached a cracker of a sermon on Romans 6 in Latin, and at the end of the sermon, the church family here in Australia, no one actually grew at all. And they say, well, I faithfully preached a cracker of a sermon. This is a cracker. But you might go, but your decision to preach in Latin had a direct impact on the fruit that that sermon got. And we all intuitively know that. That we are, we do make some responsibility, we do have some, our decisions have some bearing. We want to say you're full bearing, but we want to be careful not to say human beings have no responsibility for the outcomes of their ministry. We certainly don't want to say they take full responsibility for the outcomes of their ministry. God makes it grow. You, 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 want, to, you want to hold the both God's sovereignty and human responsibility intention there. But you can see people going, if they so hold on to, all I need to be is faithful and God will look after the fruit, then you can, bear, you can actually object to ever having any uh, metrics at all because actually the fruit is never my, any of my responsibility at all. It's all God's responsibility. Now you need to do that, that theological dance carefully. Don't, don't hear me saying that in a way that it all undermines God's sovereignty. But I do think you need to hold that they, they are both there in the scriptures. I think the illustration about... Um, preaching in Latin kind of, you intuitively know it. We've got to hold both intention and paying attention to results. But that's one of the objections. I don't have to worry about it. It's God's responsibility. Any other objections? Oh, this is heap, there's heaps. We're going to, this will be one of the last ones. What have you got, Andrew? Yeah, there are some examples in the scriptures where, um, uh, where it's negative. Yeah, yeah. There are some positive ones, like Jesus leaves the 99 to go and get the one because the one matters and the, the, the one number matters. And you've got all those examples in Acts where 3,000 were added that day. So they go both directions somewhere. There's a whole book called Numbers. There's a whole book called Numbers. <laughs> this, is a, this is excellent. I love it. Rightio. Now, now we've, we've, you might be thinking, okay, I've done this seminar. We, 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 we've got the objections. I don't, we don't need to keep. Let's all go home. Now, I want you to think of the flip side. Go, what are some of the, well, what are some of the reasons? Why would you keep some data and metrics. What are some of the reasons to actually do it? And the Lord added 3,000 people that day. It's not just a number. There were 3,000 human beings that he's talking about. The, the number 3,000, they're human. It's really, it's helping, well, it's, yeah, it's people. Yeah, what's, what do you got? Yeah. You measure what you love. Please do not tell me who won Lego Masters. I've recorded it at home and I'm going to watch it when we get back. If you've got kids my age, they get into Lego Masters. But they count like, oh, there's like 3,500 bricks in that Lego thing. Going, well, like I, like I really care, but you obviously love it. You've mentioned how many bricks are in it, right? Um, but the babies are great. In utero, we kind of get, get our, cat, uh, not cat scans, what do I call them? Um, ultrasounds, right? Measuring heart rates and all this. Because we love the baby. And, we want to, and when they're out, we keep measuring how many poos they do each day because we've got to measure if that's healthy or not, right? Who wants to measure poos each day? But we do. Um, um, yeah, yeah. But it's not just we measure the things. But we also, it's the negative stuff we measure too, like um, if you've got a family member who's got cancer, they're constantly measuring the treatment and if it's shrunk or not. Because you love that person, you want to know what the cancer's doing in them. You measure what you love. And so if you love what Jesus loves, and he loves his church so much that he, you know, he died to build it, then you ought to match that love. And if he loves it, then you love it. Then you just you measure what you love. It's just a principle that happens everywhere in life. That's a key reason. Yeah, what other reasons? Yeah, that's right. It's another expression of a love piece, isn't it? Going, if you don't measure, you're more likely to overlook not just a number, you're more likely to overlook a human being that's very precious to God. 
And so the measuring, the measuring actually helps you to see if you're, if you're lacking in love and over, overlooking things. Exactly right. Whatever wants to be come up with. Yeah. Yes. So it gives you clarity actually on what's actually happening and is that healthy or not. Okay. So everyone, everyone's gone on top of that one. Yeah. It's, it's, it's part of that isn't going. I want to know if what we did had any impact, what was the impact I need to measure that. Yeah, if you don't pay deliberate intentionality to something, it will just drift into a disorder, dysfunction. But keeping the numbers keeps you focused on what actually you need to do. Yes, I'm going to expand on that one because that, that's a good one. I actually call that, that um, uh, it's culture setting. So, keeping the right numbers, at least, is culture setting. And one of the things, hopefully, you've gleaned if you've been to Reach Australia, if it's your first time to Reach Australia or you've been every every other time that the conference is run. One of the, one of the uh, kind of uh, mental revolutions that we're always looking to see in people is to move from being in what we would call a, uh, an input thinker to being an output leader. And a keeping good metrics just keeps outputs on the agenda all the time. It's part of setting a culture of being in a team ministry together or with, with other brothers and sisters that you're in teams with, of, const, of being, you know, these outcomes really matter. We want to be faithful with our inputs, don't hear me deny that. You want to be definitely faithful with the inputs, but you want to see great output, outputs, you want to see great fruit. And, and, and organising yourself and having a culture of looking for the fruit and making changes if you're not getting that fruit, data keeping can help that culture piece, isn't it? We have a God that we pray to because he is all powerful and can act. And we pray to him and we follow his, be faithful to his instructions about how to undertake ministry. And you look for the fruit, not for your own glory, but to, to just, God, thanks so much for that. That's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as a Reach Australia team, we've been praying for good weather this week because you imagine doing dinner with the rain and going, I've been looking at the results and we've got good weather, right? How fantastic is that? But it causes me to pray and thank God for the outcome of what he's produced, you know, said book. Yes, it helps with strategy, decision, and um, course correction. Absolutely, this is, a, this is actually a really good, um, a really good reason to keep good, good numbers and metrics, isn't it? I call it, um, it's the, the uh, decision-making is easy. Honestly, decision-making is very, very easy if I have all the data in front of me. Very simple. I've got a nuance set, though. I want to say, uh, the nuance is, as long as my theology and convictions are already in place, decision-making in that principled framework is easy when I have all the data, because I can see what's actually happening. So in that framework of good theology and convictions, having those principled framework in place, if decision-making is easy if all the numbers are in front of me. I can say what to do straight away. Don't have the numbers, it's just a lot of guesswork. Yeah. Okay? Yep. Any other reasons? I think you picked up most of mine by now. Yeah, it's a strategic, it's, a, it's actually, there's two things. It's the day-to-day -day operational activities of your church and ministry that you need to be on top of to actually know how to set up or how many chairs or whatever else it is. But it's also the longer-term planning to go, gee, if we need, if we're growing by this rate and we have that many people in our, in our um, I don't know, Bible study groups or growth groups, then we need this many leaders and in five years that'll look like this, gee, we've got to get the leadership pipeline going. So it clarifies those decision strategy operationally today and strategically in the future. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the last one I've got is, um, I think it gives clarity to what, team, to what um, health looks like. So you want your churches to be healthy 
And if as a group, as a, as a team, you, you discuss together what outcomes we're looking for and what might healthy look like, then you have a shared clarity about what it looks like. And as a shared team, you know what you're aiming for together. There's a, a shared understanding of what you're aiming for and what health looks like. And I, I think it can bring that as well. Um, now, this is an important point for the seminar that I want you to grasp, because it's the danger point. In, I, the, the point I want to say here, the thing I want to go is there is a limitation. We need to be very aware of the limitations of metrics. And there's a nuance I want to add here. Um, the nuance is this, metrics don't tell the whole story. They never will and they, they, they can't, they don't tell the whole story. Um, some people are aware of this, I think, and that's why they go, well, I don't really need numbers. What I just need is anecdotal stories of what happened. And that will give me a feel for what's going on. I don't need the numbers. I get a good feel for the health of church from the stories. I don't need numbers. But the, the nuance here is the limit. So you don't just, the numbers are not enough by themselves, but you, you also need, I want to say, you also need the stories. You need, it's a both and. You need the stories and you need the numbers. You need both. It's not one or, or the other, it's, it's both. Um, stories inform you of what is actually happening going, what is actually genuinely going on. And numbers confirm if those good news stories are how widespread they are. Um, it's that language I want to say of that stories confirm what the numbers are telling us. Um, the problem with only having stories though is that you can never know everybody's story at one moment in time. And so when you're trying to discern whether the church is healthy or not, if you rely just on stories, your sample size is so small that you can't reliably extrapolate to see the general health of the church. I mean, of course, if your church is only 10 people, you can rely on stories. But as soon as it scales higher, right, you're going to have to have more than just the stories. And so numbers give you a good feel of if the results confirmed by stories are widespread. Um, and, uh, but so stories by themselves is inadequate. Numbers by themselves is inadequate. You need both. The reason why numbers by themselves are inadequate, because could you imagine as a, as a, if you're in a ministry and you're keeping some data on say, I'm just gonna use the people, the number of people serving in church, this is a serve kind of conference. Imagine you had 90% of your people telling, uh, that you can go, we've got 90% of people serving in a team or in, in some formal ministry structure. And you might come to the conclusion that, man, our church is it's, it's awesome at this point. We are just firing. But if all you've got is a number and no stories about what it's like to serve in church, what would you be missing? That's right. You, you wouldn't know why they're serving. You wouldn't even know if they're enjoying the serving. Actually, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't know if they're serving. For, okay, are they serving for the right reason? Um, is there discipleship actually happening in, in that moment? Is there any joy in this? There's all sorts of things that you would miss that you'd actually want to know about the serve area. Rather than just there's 90% of people serving, you'd actually want to know, are the stories telling me that yes, they're serving for the right reasons? 
Yes, they're growing. They're actually, as they're doing their serving, they're actually deep in the word together to think about that ministry area. So they're discipling each other. So the whole discipleship engine's getting more, more momentum. They're actually doing it out of love. In fact, it's such a fun team to be in there. It, recruitment's really easy because everyone wants to be a part of that team because it's such a good time. The, the community aspect's going well. The whole ecosystem's firing. There's so much you can learn from the story that you can't get from the number. Can you hear the cab going, numbers are great, this, and this seminar, right, we're concentrating on numbers, not on stories. If you love the stories, I don't know if there's nothing on here for today, but hear that nuance, you've got to have both. Not one or the other. All right. Now, I want to talk about a framework. Um, I want to talk about uh, a framework and thinking about a framework to keep metrics in. Um, uh, because I think how you frame up metrics in, in, in your ministry area really matters. And I reckon you can see this in all sorts of real examples from, uh, from our lived world. So um, in sport, I was trying to think, which sport do I grab? Is there people from the whole across the country here? Which sport do you grab? I've grabbed tennis, right? In professional, I'm thinking everyone, everyone's watched the Australian Open and watched Ash Barty this year or whatever. Everyone loves tennis or it has something to do with tennis. Like in, in tennis, you could measure all sorts of things, couldn't you? You really could. You could measure the amount of steps the person takes in a game, the, 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 the number of bounces that they, they bounce the ball before they serve. I mean, particularly if you're watching Novak Djokovic, I think that's what you count all the time. Um, you could measure the colour of the ball and what shade of green it is. You could measure shoe size, shoe brand, tennis racket brand. You could measure how many times the player thanks the ball boys or the ball girls for getting their stuff. You could measure all sorts of stuff, right? Um, but they don't. They have a framework in which they decide what to measure. What, anyone got it? What is it? What's the framework they're using in tennis? Anyone got a, anyone goes, oh, gut feel, shoot from the hip. This is kind of the frame. I've just kind of thought about this. I might be completely wrong, but anyone thought about the framework in tennis? Yeah, it's, it, the framework is driven by measuring things that affect the outcome. This is that whole culture outcome piece, isn't it? Um, they are looking. They, they measure things that they think contribute to winning a game. So percentage of first serves, forehand winners, points won at net, unforced errors. They, these are all metrics that they keep that they believe contribute to the outcome they're looking for, which is winning the match. Okay, it's not just sport. Okay, in preparation for this, I was thinking about just charity organisations across our country at the moment. I looked up the Salvation Army website. Salvation Army website. Um, look, they're not just, they used to, they, they, they acknowledged actually, it was interesting, they used to kind of really just measure what they would, I mean, they didn't use the input-output language, but they used to measure inputs, like how many clothes were donated, um, how many op shops are we running, how much money have people donated, um, how many counselling sessions were attended. And they still keep measures, they still keep data on those, what I would call inputs, because you, if you've got inputs that really matter to the outcome, you still want to, don't you still measure inputs? Because if, if the input matters to the outcome, what you're looking for, the fruit you're looking for, you still measure it. But what they really wanted to measure, they said, was changes in people's circumstances due to being engaged with their services. And so they're now looking for things like how many people who are addicted to drugs went clean? It's the outcome we're looking for. Let's measure that. How many domestic violence situations have been turned around? How many homeless people became self-sufficient and weren't welfare dependent? Can you see, they've started to measure the outcome they were looking for. 
much more difficult to measure some of those things, but they've gone, the framework, the whole framework of what they were deciding to what to measure was, what are the outcomes or the fruit we're actually looking for from our, from our, from our work. And so um, um, Reach Australia has a framework that I think is a helpful one to try and think through uh, the whole metrics piece. Um, I can't remember if I've got a slide about the framework. No, I don't. Um, uh, um, you know, if you've not heard the Reach of framework, framework, it's got these five pieces to it. The first piece is you've got to clarify the big idea. And it's very, you know, Matthew 28 is a great one. What we really want to see is ever deeper disciples in ever increasing numbers. That's the big outcome we want to look for. And so we want to measure the depth of disciples and the number of disciples. It's kind of built in there. We want to be faithful to the means. That's the second part of the framework. You want to be unprincipled in how you want to see disciples made. God's been very clear about uh, the importance of uh, preaching the word in season and out of season. He's been about the, the need to pray to him regularly. He's the Lord of the harvest. There's, there's all these, you need to be very deeply faithful to the means that God has given us to actually pursue the making of disciples in the first place. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's, um, you want to measure if we're being faithful to the means. But then the third part of the framework is to go, well, if you're going to pursue that outcome in a way that's faithful to God, then as you pursue that outcome, you will need to build in some responsibility. You need to take responsibility, and you also need to build responsibility. Um, and so it's important to, uh, to measure, are we taking and building responsibility? But then if you've been in the conference this week, that kind of idea of going, well, as you build responsibility, you can't just go to someone, well, you're responsible for building a bridge. Go and build a bridge. And the person goes, well, I don't even know how to build a sandcastle. How am I going to build a bridge? Well, then the way you build a bridge is you just break it down into its you know, million and one components of how to build a bridge. You start, you start here and you slowly build it up, but you, you, you make it bite-sized so that you can break it down to enough granularity so you can pay attention to the right things that you need to do to get the outcome. Break it down, but then as you break it down, you don't want to just think you know, this area, that area, and think silos. You've got to think, well, the whole thing is an ecosystem that's deeply interconnected. And so pay attention to the metrics that fit the, how, how each part is affecting the other part. But, they, it, it all, but the bigger point I'm trying to make is as you think about keeping metrics and data, definitely think, I need a framework, and what I'm arguing for here is a framework that is focused around the godly outputs that you are looking for. Radio. Now I'm going to get you, I've just realised I've talked for a bit of time and it's that time is like, it's a four to six, it's the deathly time, everyone's tired. I'm going to get you to talk, and I don't think, I've opened the windows as much as I can and get some fresh air in here. Now, um, what I want you to do though is, then, is now think through what principles should I have in place? I think there are some principles you ought to have in place around, around um, that's kind of driving the kind of metrics that you might want to keep. I hope I'm being clear here. What I'm saying, there. Um, how, I, how do I phrase? What principles should you have driving the metrics that you keep? Okay. Is, that, is that a clear question for people? What principles? Let me give you an example. Let me give you the first example that I've got in my notes. Is um, goals first, metrics second. Goals first, metrics second is a principle I want to have. What I mean by that is don't make the rookie mistake. This is the rookie mistake. Uh, I think many pastors have made in, met in keeping data. And look, can I confess, 
I'm a self-confessed man. I, I, this used to be me, so it's okay if, you, if you're hearing this and going, I can't believe I do that too. Okay, I, I've done this. What happens is you conduct your ministry, and you do want to, you, you, got, you, you love God, you want to see His kingdom grow. So you're looking for the fruit, and you look for the fruit, and you, you actually you see you see some stuff, and you but you hadn't kind of set the goal of what you wanted to see, but you saw the fruit of your ministries, and you go, you know what we were aiming for? <laughs> That's what we were aiming for all along. And what's happened is it's like you're an archer, right? And you shot the arrow. And you, had no, you didn't have the target there set in advance. And the, and the arrow landed over there. And what you've gone, you've gone to move the target to where the arrow landed. And go, yeah, that's what I was aiming for all the time. Because what you've done is you've saw the fruit and then set the goal. Rookie mistake. What you want to do is set the goal and then measure against the goal that you set. Does that make sense? So a principle there is goal first, metric second. Don't, don't, don't give yourself an easy time by doing ministry, seeing, seeing some metrics and then moving the target to where you, what, what you got and then giving yourself a pat on the back that it went so well. Okay? Goal first, metrics second. that make sense? Can you know, think I've, got, I've got three others, but I'd be interested to see if we've got any other ones from the floor about some principles that you ought to have in place about the, the whole keeping metrics and, and getting metrics. Yeah. Right, here we go. Now... I realise that's probably the vaguest question I've given you, so who knows what comes back now. But what principles might you be able to think that you need to have in place as you kind of think about keeping metrics? Yeah. Because you can keep all sorts of stuff right, but a key principle is, is this actually going to help us love people? And I, I think, and, and when you say love people, it's not just, don't just think love the people in front of you that's already in your church, in your, in your if I can call it, in the barn, is this metrics going to help us love people in the fields? Because think of the fields, the people we've actually not met. Is this going to love people we've not met and help them to come to know Jesus? And yeah, yeah. Does this metric help us love people? Key principle, right? Excellent one. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the data going to point to me and how good I am, or point to Jesus and how good He is? Uh, but you also mentioned something in there, Dave, which is the data actually? Can I use the data? Is it use like? Uh, is it useful? If I don't want to spend wasting time collecting stuff that I could never use. Yeah, yeah, okay, yep. Is it reliable? Does the actual data point I keep actually tell me anything about the outcome I'm looking for, or is it just an interesting number? Or non-interesting number, even, <laughs> with plenty of those around, yeah? And it'd be wise how you compare. It's a good point, isn't it? Because you can compare yourself to the worst church in the country and think, we're knocking this for six. Or you can compare yourself to a church that's doing great stuff and be completely demoralised. But also what you can do is you have no baseline to compare it to, that actually you're not actually got a... Uh, this is one of the principles, isn't it, is having, keeping good, reliable, consistent data over a long period of time is what's going to show you the trends. Yeah, having, having, yeah, doing it over a longer period of time, keeping the same data for a long period of time is probably more important than keeping lots of data that you've only maintained for six months. It's got to be, so a principle here has got to be achievable to keep over a long period of time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good, that's a good point, um, Jeff. It's, it's never use, never get your desire to get the right metric for your, I don't know, for your personal sense of worth at the cost of loving people, right? Yeah. This is the trickiness, isn't it? I don't know if everyone heard that, but it, there's a lot of factors in it and your measuring is one part of a much wider system of what's causing that number. Uh, and sometimes you can be completely oblivious to, to, to that cause. I've, I've heard of some churches, in, when I've done, we've done some in Rich Australia, 
consult stuff, I hope it's okay to say this, but uh, yeah, some of the, you go to a church and they've had great growth and the growth has been caused by migration for the last 20 years and they thought they'd been doing great ministry, it's been going fantastic and all of a sudden migration from that country has slowed down and they go, man, we thought we were doing really excellent stuff but we've just realised that our growth dynamic was migration, that's all it was. <laughs> Um, but there's another factor, isn't there? They saw their numbers and thought, this is fantastic. But what they failed to measure, though, is the impact that migrate, an external thing, that migration had on the growth in the church for a number of decades. And as that stops, they've finally worked out. You see, it's paying attention to the wider system. And that's the difficult thing, isn't it? Because have you got all the right factors? And there's, more, there's a lot of art in here rather than just science. The only extra one I had is make sure you love your people when you keep your metrics. What I mean by that is you don't want to become a church family that has just a survey every single week to measure something and you just drive your church family bonkers and they will feel like it's a sausage machine. You cannot just keep asking people, because some of the data we're looking for is, you know, you can't get it. By, some data is easy, right? I can count the amount of people in the room. I don't need to ask anyone to do that. I can just do that myself. Very simple, very easy to keep. You can do that regularly. That's no, no, but some of, the, some of the other stuff is much more, I can't get a feel from that unless I kind of do a survey in some way. But if you're constantly asking for surveys, oh, it drive me bonkers. I've heard some, and this is where you, it's harder in, uh, depending on the size of your church, depends on how many you survey. You could do a representative sample. If, um, if you're a small church, you might go, we can only survey everyone once a year on certain things because really that will drive people bonkers. But in other churches that are large, you might go, well, if we split the church family into four and we've got a representative quarter and we give them a survey in the first quarter and then we get another quarter of the people surveying them in the, in the second half of the year and the, then everyone only gets one survey a year, but we get a representative sample over the whole year. But we get data every month, every three months then. But you, there's just clever ways in which you can do that. But don't over-survey your people and drive them bonkers. Okay, radio. Um, I want to get to some examples of how to think of uh, what metrics to keep. And you'll be aware, and I hope you've all come, I, I hope I'm not going to disappoint people in the room right now. We're not going to go through every part of the... Uh, the ecosystem of church and uh, blow by blow go, here's the metric you want to keep. And I realise that will disappoint some people. You're here in the room going, I just want to know what data to keep on this area. I've limited it actually just because it's a serve conference. Let's just think of the serve area um, and some of the potential metrics to keep. There we go, goals first. There we go. Oh, that, that was all the stuff we just did. Um, size appropriate metrics. Okay, what I want to split it into is thinking about what if you're a church less than 100? What metrics would you keep? What if you're a church, and we call that a level one church, what if you're a church of, I don't know, between 100 and 200, maybe 100 and 300, call that a level two church? What metrics would you keep in a survey area? What if you're kind of a level three church, you're kind of 400 plus, what metrics would you keep? Um, some of the rookie mistakes is someone, someone comes in, they're, a, they're, in a, they're in a church team, they love their church, and they just love numbers, and they do level three level metrics on a level one church, and they drive people bonkers. But the other rookie mistake is you're in a level three church with lots of people and you're keeping level one data because no one loves numbers. Okay, but here's, so thinking about um, in the serve area, mate, and this is where um, Tom did some of this work and it's excellent work. Um, but, and again, you can do this or not do this. This is kind of, this is just some suggestions, some thoughts going, twice a year, would you get some data about the percentage of members who actually serve in church? Get that data point twice a year. Um, I've also added in there going, would you also do the number of serve chats? And I would, if you're, not, if you're not familiar with that language of a serve chat, it's that idea that someone comes new to church 
you spend some time getting to know them. You may have some, some way of, every church has some way of kind of orientating them or onboarding them to your church. There might be a formalised program. It might just be a couple of conversations, depending on your size of church, how you do that. But probably at the end of spending that time with people, it'd be good to go and sit down with someone and go, hey, who are you? You've got to know them. What, what do you think your gifts are? What, what do you love to do in terms of serving? We're a church that have a serving culture. And you just talk to them about the opportunity that they've got. And I think a good metric is to keep going. How many numbers of people are serving? So percentage of people who serve and then... How many of those kinds of chats have we had in the last six months? Yeah. So you're, it's the difference between keeping a percentage or keeping a, a raw number? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is a level one church where you might kind of go, I just, yeah. just need to know the raw numbers. And look, it'll, it'll get repeated through. But that's right. And so it gets more complex later on. You kind of go, Cat. but that's not a bad start. We would go level two, and so some of these ones is rather than measure these ones twice a year, why don't you measure it four times a year? And I'll put these slides, I see um, um, Dan with his camera, I'll put these on the, um, I'll put the whole slide deck onto the app so you can download that easily. Yeah, rather than doing it twice a year, why don't you do it four times a year? Why don't four times a year you measure the percentage of people are serving and the number of serve chats you have, you're having? But also, why don't you start measuring how many team members do you have and how many team leaders do you have? Um, and if you're a large, if you're, if you're this size, you might have some area leaders as well. Um, you actually might want to start measuring how many people actually served in the month. So you might have a stat like percentage of members who serve and we've got, we've got a system and they're allocated to that team. But look, they only serve once every six months. They read the Bible in church. And so it's great that they're on the percentage of the number of people who are serving, but once every six months isn't very regularly. Why don't you start measuring how many people are actually serving just in that monthly period? That's a good number to keep to see what's the depth and the, the, the quality of the serving. Um, a thing here is called what is the fixed cost of your Sunday gatherings? What we mean by that is, if you're going to run a uh, on a Sunday, depending on your size of church, you might have one service, you might have two, you might have three. What is the fixed cost of the amount of people we need doing something on the Sunday to actually just run it? So if you have a full band with 10 members in it, and you have a kids' talk that's got 16 actors, you've got one preacher and you've got maybe two people on it, you've got a, f a serving cost of like 40 or 50 people. Or you might have a serving cost. I know we actually just have a guitarist and someone singing. That's two people. We've got a preacher. We've got a welcoming team. of, And you, your fixed service cost might be 10 people. But start measuring actually how much does, how much, what's the human resource to actually run a Sunday? It's not a bad number to keep because if that creeps really high, it's hard to multiply and replicate and reproduce and, because the fixed cost is so high. Okay, and you'll see my example, we didn't pay attention to that and it was silly that we didn't. Um, and of course, I think this is a good one to keep, which is what is the, in all the ministry teams you have, what is the current team size? Like how many people are on each team? And you do that versus what's the ideal team size for that? Current team size versus ideal team size is a good metric, I think, to keep. That'll tell you two things. One, it would tell me going, gee, some of our teams, they are really, they are really struggling, they don't have enough people to do what we're asking them to do and we need to recruit more people in that space. But if you've done really well in recruiting and you're finding that actually we've, we're doing all these surf chats, we need to put them in some team and now our teams are over the ideal size, you go, we've got capacity. 
And we ought, to, we ought to think about, can we, how can we expand? So that's telling you two things, okay? Does that make sense? Level one, church less than 100. Level two, kind of the, whole, the size of a church going over 100 to maybe 250, something like 300. Um, level three, I know the writing's getting really small, sorry for the people at the back, but you can see, again, it's all those repeated, um, but then some other ones like, um, what have we got there? Um, they're meant to be repeated if they're not. Um, how many people actually? Percentage of members who are uh, percentage of members who are team members, team leaders, area leaders. Uh, so you want to kind of what's the kind of mix? Um, what we're trying to hear is what what is the what is the kind of mix we've got? Um, where where are our gaps? What if we've got um, one percent of team leaders and ninety percent ninety nine percent team members? I think we need more team leaders. Um, but if we've got kind of 70% team leaders and 30% team members. We've got too many cooks and not enough, what is it? Too many, whatever those phrases, too many chiefs, not enough, whatever that phrase is. Um, yeah, that concept of are they, are they well proportioned? Um, and then you can start doing measurements around how much training have, have we done enough training of people, enough supervision of people? Um, how many people attended our leaders' training events? Um, how many roles at church? It, it, it will go on and on there, and you can you can see it. And if you're a level three church here, and you're from a large church, again, we'll put we'll put all this on the on the data set, so you can have a look. The one the one I the one I regret not keeping earlier. So the question. So I should repeat the question because you might not you might not have heard it. The question was: Are there any stats from level two or level three that potentially a level one person, if they've got the time and effort, could keep? because it's quite important. The one I regret not keeping is the ideal team size versus um, current team size. I, I regret not keeping that one earlier. Because um, I think if, if you, because um, um, I think often, I, because I didn't keep that one, I didn't realise that in so many of our teams when we were a young church plant, it was getting some of your teams were getting, um, what's the right word, we're getting under, so under-resourced that they were dysfunctional. And sometimes the health of that team wasn't a factor of there weren't nice people in there who didn't share outcomes and want to see great fruit. They just didn't have enough people in the team. And I, didn't, I wasn't aware of it quick enough. But if I kept a month, if I kept a regularly knowing how short are they, it would then help make decisions about do we need to cut some things early or do we, how do we, do we need to do more recruitment? But yeah, that was one that I thought we could do a bit more. All right. It's, it's Tom and I behind the scenes going, you don't want to, uh, it's, it's not trying to overburden uh, with so many different ones. And so, because if you apply this across the different, if you think of the different areas of the, the, the uh, what we'd call the ecosystem, the, you know, the loves God, the, if, you, if you're keeping 15 metrics on every single one of the areas of the Pentagon, yeah, that's a lot to keep. So you, you do have to make some decisions where I could keep that one, but on top of everything else I'm keeping, I probably wouldn't. But again, feel the freedom here. This is not trying to me to get to say to you, these are the ones you've got to keep. If you don't keep these ones, you're silly. This is just an example of a, 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 a way to frame it and a way to think of it. I'm hoping you can see though, it's driven by outcomes. Measure the outcome. We hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to get more help in moving your church forward, in reaching more people, we'd love to help you and to tell you more about the Reach Australia Development Program. 
a good place to start is to go to reachaustralia.com.au.